hello and welcome to episode nine of The Dive. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can see us now. <laughs> oh, no. If you're listening Dang to it. us Spook. on SoundCloud, <laughs> iTunes, or any of the podcast platforms we're on, yeah. it's gonna be exactly the same. It's our first post MSI episode. How you doing? Yeah, I mean, it's just gonna be on YouTube now. They it's keep only picturing different. us in their heads. <laughs> <laughs> we did just move into this area though, so this is very new. Uh, we're gonna add some extra stuff. Yeah, have some upgrades in yep. the coming weeks and uh, hopefully we'll keep improving it. Audio only listeners, I'm Jet, Kobe, and Azale. What are you talking about today? Uh, well, we're definitely gonna hit on the new meta that came with all the preseason changes because that's just now hitting pro play. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about, you know, rankings, right? Yeah, we want to do our power rankings for the NALCS summer split, obviously starting this Friday. So we're going to break down where we think teams are going to end up. Yeah. Uh, first off, midseason changes. It was pitched as the tank update, right? <laughs> they added two tank items. They reclassified some tank items like uh -huh. Banshee's Veil, Abyssal Scepter. They made like gargoyle stone plate and adaptive helm. And let me talk tell about you. the tanks first. first let me first, tell you. First thing, uh, I was very, very angry that they even selected Zach to begin with. And I was <laughs> like, this is gonna be bad. This is gonna be terrible. Cause he was already, I, I thought, in a pretty good place. Yeah. Um, the changes that they made to him, I all concede were interesting, right? You're adding more utility to this champion. But I do think they bungled it a little bit. He came out super weak because they took a bunch of damage off. Then they put a bunch of damage back in. Now he's super yeah. strong. He went from the lowest play, uh, win rate to the highest win rate after the attempted balance changes for the guy. And he was in a very good place. Yeah. I will say, though, that you know the, re the whole rework did make him more interesting. And it, once they fine-tune yep. it, I think it'll be a good rework. But... Definitely a work in progress. Yeah, it is. But I mean, people are really enjoying the, both the Q and I think the Ultimate. I see so many people tweeting about how fun it it's, is. To it's definitely meme. Use the abilities <laughs> and stuff. It, it's it kind of seems like it does fit like, like the personality of the character yeah. and stuff, which is cool. But I agree, like it's not the best when it comes out super weak and then it's super overpowered. Yeah. To me, it wasn't even the damage. It's like you took the knockup and you doubled how long the E knockup lasts. So it went from being impossible to hit your alt to being impossible to avoid the alt. And yeah. like, yeah. and now he's just at the at this point where he's so strong and. It'll be interesting. Point where it's permanent. Yeah, I yeah, think the exactly. tuning is is pretty clearly off on him. But if you separate the raw power of the champion mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. kind of what types of moments does a Zach player have in the game, uh, I'd like Zach more now once he's tuned yeah. because I feel like there's more things he can play around. He has more highlight moments. Not that you need a bunch of highlight moments to be a champion. Uh, what's interesting though is I, I talked to Static yesterday, who was the lead designer on the three tank reworks, yeah. and he was actually happiest with the Zach one. Mm -hmm. um, there are always really ambitious projects when they're doing these roster updates because you have to keep the feel of the character while somehow giving them this like healthy playstyle. Yeah, uh, I think Zach is super overtuned right now. Uh, will be kind of permaban, but I like what he brings to the game more than I did the old one. Right, like the old one had these medium-powered entrances. He jumps in and then bounces around and you move two feet well, over to the other side. I, the, I think the biggest the biggest gain is very clearly the Q, the changes to the Q. Before, yeah. it was extremely light, like very boring to use. Yeah. It's just a range slow. So that there, it added a lot of utility, though. And it, you know, it added for those moments that you're talking about that have high highs. The other tanks, though, mm -hmm. we got to touch on these because, yes, uh, Zach is the one you see all the time in bands. But uh, people have also been memeing very hard about the Maokai Ultimate. Are you, are you talking about the, <laughs> the new AP support? <laughs> yeah, because that guy's not a tank. <laughs> he is He is not a tank. Uh, yeah. He can be a tank if you build tanky. No, no, no. You build Landry's, you build full AP, yeah. you put him in the bot lane. Yeah, yeah. You can until you've seen him build full AP and then you get hit with one of those saplings from the brush. <laughs> That was, that was my first experience playing Maokai. I saw that build, I was like, yeah, this is me. Like, like <laughs> I don't want to play against it, but I'll certainly play as it. 
And it's, it's pretty comical when you get a few AP items, you have two or three saplings down in a bush, someone walks by, you look 100 to zero one of their carries. I also, I also is think- Is he gonna get played in pro though? No. As far as that, because no. it's a champion who's strong around brush. And I he's the like weakest. He was... He's the weakest of the three. I yeah. do think he's very funny though, because yeah. the, the saplings are very iconic now. The ultimate is also very iconic for the, all the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate is just way too slow. Like that's my thing. With I it, saw is... people get pretty good with it. As far as you can as, use it for flanks, being, yeah. you can use it like you can use it when you're already on top of them. But yeah. like the ultimate, is, <laughs> ultimate seems so bad. It's to not me. what you expected at yeah. first. Because these giant roots coming after you. It's like. You can outrun those. As far it's, as it's, far it's as the joke zombies and the comedy zombie movies, not the Twenty Eight Days Later zombies. Yeah, the supercharged you. ones. Yeah. As far as like the ones that we'll probably see in like pro play though, uh, the Zach and Sejuani, the ones we've actually already seen because yeah. LCK has already played, mm -hmm. uh, so we're cheating a little bit. You know, yeah. they jumped right into it. I do think Zach is the strong one. Uh, Sejuani seems fine after the you know patch to the the passive, not quite as uh, overpowered anymore. And I mean the top lane stuff is pretty interesting for Sejuani. Like you may be able to see uh, her slot in pretty well. Like it, it feels kind of similar, almost like a Gragasy type champion to me, where it's like you can kind of brawl a little bit. You have pretty good CC. You have good like team fighting, and your lane is is like okay enough that you can wave clear and you can just be one of those tanks that can kind of just slot in as one of the interchangeable tanks in the top lane, yeah. you know, and, and I think it can be pretty strong with that. Like, Maokai maybe situationally, but if you're looking at support, like, the, the biggest problem for it to me in pro play is the popularity of shielding supports. So it's like, I had, I had a, some games where it was hilariously fun, but then you play against like a Karma or something and they just shield every sapling, like, you can just proc them out and you can't actually have a lot of success yeah. if you can't yeah. control the brushes. Yeah, I think because of brush control and because of familiarity around the champion, you're gonna play around Maokai a lot. And mm -hmm. if he's gonna see pro play, the power has to actually be taken a little bit out of brush control since people are so good at controlling brush and pro. Yeah. Sejuani though, I wanna talk a little bit about the uh, games we saw in LCK mm -hmm. of Sejuani. Specifically just the amount of innate tankiness you get from the frost armor passive is kind of insane. Uh, the LCK game, Sejuani was played top lane three games in a row by I believe MVP and pretty much lost every laning phase by a non-trivial amount of CS, but in team fights was this unstoppable tank. It was funny listening to the casting. Uh, I think it was uh, Crumbs kept saying, man, Sejuani is so tanky. Yeah, she is, she's got 100 bonus armor just from the passive for the first two seconds. And I think that actually gives her, along with the ability to stack up the stuns really easily, uh, a place in pro as a top lane tank. Yeah, and I mean, the, the actual damage that comes out from, like, you land the permafrost, you freeze them, and when you do snap that, it's like, it's a pretty significant amount of, of damage that comes out. So you're not just super tanky, but you're actually, like, adding a decent amount of CC plus damage for the rest of your team. The peeling can be pretty good. It can work well with diving. So, like, I do think that Sejuani could have a place, but, uh, you know, it seems one of those, like, one of those picks where there has to be a certain amount of bands and stuff that are already up there for you to play it. Cause like, yeah. I don't well, think you want to play it in Fiora. I don't think you want to play it in Kennen. I don't think you want to play it in like any of that and stuff. It, and even beyond like lane specific stuff, taking into account both team compositions is more important after the rework. Cause mm -hmm. he's not just the generic AOE giant ultimate for, you know, engaging mm -hmm. on, on poke comps or whatever. Kind of the opposite now, right? You know, mm -hmm. have to rely more on uh, the melee and brawling. But yeah, overall, uh, I think pretty happy actually with the the tank reworks. Yeah, it tank up hits in, out of, in isolation. The items, uh, Gargoyle Stoneplate is an interesting Woo! one. To me. <laughs> uh, the extra armor and MR you get during fights. And I think a lot of people at first didn't really understand how this item worked. They're just thinking, oh my goodness, I double my, my max health and it's going to be crazy. Think of it differently. Think of it like damage reduction for the duration because you don't get to keep the health mm -hmm. that you bonus gained. It keeps the percentage of your health the same when the item wears off. So the best champions that it's on are 
theoretically something like Malphite, who dives in, does all of his burst, and then is sitting on cooldown for four seconds, and that's kind of when you become tanky. And, and I do think it, it's, like, I actually like the itemization changes quite a bit. Like, A, I just felt like building GA was, was too good on tanks, and, like, it didn't feel good for me to build as a tank. Like, it's just like... Felt well, great well, for me? What are you talking like, about? I, I, I feel like, like every GA. day. Like, I, I, I hate it. Like, I, I just always feel like it's, like, you, you have to build it, but not because it's a fun item, but because you have to build it, because it's so good. And, like, I actually prefer... Uh, the fact that like there are like there's more variance in tank itemization. Hold on like though, now. how how has it changed at all yeah. then? Because now if you're AD, you have to build it. It's exactly the same. You, you? you have I to mean, build like, it on a different class it's, of champion. It's so good. The no, the, well the win rate's not even. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a different class of champion mm -hmm. because the stats are different that that they're allocating to it. But the passive is the exact same amount of gold that you're spending. And now you know it's still on like divers like Kha'Zix, you know AD uh, like uh, mm -hmm. marksman and stuff like that. I don't know. I just I still feel like it's the, it's in a very similar place. It's just different champions build it now because it has different base stats. That's fair. I mean, to, to me, it was always like I ha I didn't have as much of a problem with those champions doing it. It was more the fact that a tank can go in like you know come back with thousands of HP from this item. Like I've never had really as much of a problem with you burst down an AD carry and they pop back up mm. with 800 health. Like mm -hmm. I feel like it, it never felt as frustrating to me. Not that it's not strong, but like it wasn't as annoying to play against as like. You know, you have that the Nautilus with four thousand HP come in, and then they go in, and then they get yeah. shielded up after they come back with from GA with three thousand HP and stuff. And I just find the new items more interesting to build, and there's like there's more different options that feel good. Um, like Stoneplate, I think is super interesting. Like you're talking about a damage reduction. Like does Darius. Adaptive Helm ever feel good? By the way, because I have yet to ever build it. So <laughs> I just looked I at it, it and there's, I was like, I build it. I think I, its I like efficiency why. works actually against Rumble and Cassiope. I think efficiently why. Efficiently wise. When you say item. you build it, have you actually ever built it? Yeah. I don't, okay. I built it yesterday. <laughs> so you, what is it? It was in an ARAM, but I built it. I've built it a few times. Like I, I don't know if it's it a troll. I built it against. <laughs> I built it against Teemo, and like that actually felt like pretty reasonable. Yeah. Um, it felt it feels pretty good against Rumble and stuff. That's the one that I like the least though, because yeah. it does feel it's, like this is an item. It's against designed, like a couple champions. Yeah, and it's it almost feels like it's designed to smash those couple champions. It's almost the same problem I have with Exynature's uh, calling, mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, you built that against Mundo? Oh, well, he's screwed now. Oh, you built mm -hmm. that against, like, Nautilus? Well, he doesn't really care, right? So it feels like it's this item specifically that screws over some champions, which I don't really like, but I do really like Stoneplate. Like, I was playing with it on Darius, mm -hmm. which felt really fun, because you would think, oh, okay, well, you don't really want to do that, because he does a lot of damage, but in team fights, like, when you're on one damage item, you pop that, and you're sitting there with essentially, like, half damage reduction yeah. to get your stacks, yeah. and then the then you have your five stacks, the thing expires after a couple seconds, and exactly. you can go nuts in team fights, which is, things like that are pretty cool. The reason I like that one is because it gives you, you know, time periods to work around. Yeah. Yes, you're sacrificing damage for a time of damage reduction, mm -hmm. uh, and then, then you just time your abilities around that. Yeah, what's funny to me as well about this is we just talked a lot about the tank items that were changed, and yes, a little bit changed in playstyle, but there, I think there were other changes that have much bigger impacts in the patch. Mm -hmm. The Doran shield changes, and the insane <laughs> buffs to Zeal, IE, and Essence Reaver, yeah. I think actually have a, a huge impact on both the meta uh, and the way we're gonna be seeing pro play turn out. I mean, how many Doran shields do you see in pro? All of the Doran shields, pretty much, two yes. to three times every, a game. All day, yeah. every day. And I think most people are on the same page that, like, it probably should not be good on AD carries. Um, you know, yeah. like, 
Like I don't, on I don't all of. I thought. Yeah. I saw Sven tweet out. I mean, oh, yeah, used yeah. to ever build a door. He's like on a hunger strike. You know what he's gonna like... build in week one? <laughs> door and shield. Yeah. And he's, he's just tweeting that for the favorites. Yeah. And he's actually gonna build it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Four hundred gold. Like the reasons why it's good. I know a lot of people already talked about this. The cost reduction by fifty gold to get an extra health potion mm -hmm. is big. But then just also the fact that it helps you last hit. And it has a large amount of health regeneration. It just has too many things going for it from a tuning perspective. My yeah. my biggest thing with it, like I actually think, like, so I like the idea that there is like a specific item that can help get you through the laning phases. Like, if you, you know, yeah, you can complain that it's like it's a lot of sustain, but it also feels equally bad where it's like I pick a top laner and okay, now I'm playing against Rumble and I just have to give up everything because I'm just gonna like get slammed in the early yeah. levels by Flamesitter. Like that also feels bad. Mm -hmm. My biggest problem is actually the price point. I don't see why the item that gives you by far the most regen also needs to cost 400, so you can get two health potions on top of it. I think you make this item 450, yeah. and like a lot of the problems go away with it. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but like to me, that was the biggest thing. Where it's like, not only do I get an extra health potion over starting Doran's Blade, um, but I have so much more innate regen just from the yeah. item. So it's like doubling down on the same problem. I think it's a big thing. And then what was funny is I was uh, we talk about defensive builds on 80 carries. I mm -hmm. saw an Ash in LCK last night that had Ninja Tabi, a Doran Shield, a QSS, and a Bilgewater Cutlass as the only <laughs> offensive items. And I was wondering, what champion notes. is this? I think it was Prey. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it was actually Prey in that game. So uh, rather defensive builds. I, I think we're going to see a lot more of the crit automation. I think I think AD carries are actually insane right now. What do you I guess, think these buffs are too much? What do you guys think about uh, Death Dance Rush and stuff like that? Because you're talking about I, GA. Like I've seen like a lot of Draven stuff where I mean, it's like Death Dance into GA. I've even been seeing uh, Jins go like Death Dance first and stuff like that. Zaya, I've like, seen a lot of Zaya's Death Dance. Yeah. Like Death Dance is, is so like, I just feel like the item it, is very frustrating to play against because yeah. the, the damage is diverted so much, especially in combination with shielders, that it's like yeah. this stuff is just getting, the dot is getting absorbed by by random shield. When we were in Brazil, that was the first thing that I was like, dang it, we can't play solo queue. I want to try to abuse, you know, the new death dance on as many champions That's as coming possible. out, and I was like, hmm, sounds good on yeah. Kha'Zix. Draven, death dance, I actually think the zeal item second is best. The mm -hmm. Death Dance Static Shiv ones, I think, are the most dangerous Draven builds I've seen. I, I don't really know if Draven would be a pro pick just because he's unreliable and so snowballing in laning phase. That's the, that's the thing, though. Like, playing against. Yeah. The, the improvement to Death Dance was huge. Not only what, did they double the passive, but an extra damage on it, also mm -hmm. five more damage. Like, it's, it's definitely one of those win more items, yep. but it, it feels like, especially with a champion like Draven, where if you get a kill, you're snowballing now then it seems like that's n not the biggest leap that you have to take. Yeah, and I mean, I've even been seeing like a lot of a lot of the builds where people are just doubling down, even like tripling down on lifesteal in combination with this item because if you're getting any attacks off, you're essentially like erasing the dot. Like I, I've been watching, you know, I was watching Ray, right? He's playing a lot of Riven and stuff and going like Death Dance, Bloodthirster, Mercurial and things like this, like triple yeah. lifesteal type items. And it's it's like, the damage is getting diverted. He gets yeah. one hit off. He's life stealing all that damage I was, back yeah. up. I was hoping we see more Alawi. Yeah. We might see play. we might see a, a little bit of a rise in those builds, and that's that's why I think Death Dance could also be a good Callista item. Mm -hmm. uh, the champions that can get to a point where even though they're damage dealers, they're drain tanking you yeah. in a sense because the Death Dance and stacking life steal builds can work really well in that sense. Uh, talking about Ray in the top lane playing stuff like Riven does make me think a little bit more about Rift Herald as well because that was one of the most obvious changes about the midseason instead of this objective that is forgotten about in most games. Yeah. It's this incredibly visceral thing that slams into your turret and is almost a guaranteed turret. And I guess the question is kind of how much will pro teams play around this? Because I think it is such a pressure gain when you get it and really dictates the way you have to play around the map. 
Much much more than the previous Rift Herald for yeah. sure. I think everybody's in agreement of you know the power increase of the the new Rift Herald. I actually kind of disagree. Really? So I, I think that the old one... Almost everybody, not as I, I think that yeah. the old one was super powerful. <laughs> I think the biggest problem was how much harder it was to take. Like that, like I feel like if you could just, if you could solo the old one, there'd uh -huh. be all kinds of split pushers that wanted that like every game. Because yeah. for the 1v1, like that, the old Rift Herald was nuts. It's just that to me, this, this new one is so much easier to take that... It's, it is actually trivial pressure. to take right now. You can solo it with any jungler. You can solo it with any top laner too. Yeah. Like, like so... And it's the fact that it's not dealing a lot of damage to you, so it's like it's less threatening to start this up and try it, and then it's like, oh, they came. I guess we leave, and that's yeah. it's, I mean, it's fine. I, I can see what you're saying, right? If you, if you look at the raw power of the buffs yeah. that used to happen, twenty minutes of one v one damage reduction or one v three damage reduction, and extra damage that charges up over time, or one summon within a four minute window of a giant thing that runs down a lane. Yeah. It, it's so much more compacted. The overall power, I'd actually say the old one is more is more powerful, but I think this one will have. Uh, a larger footprint on the yeah, game. Yeah, way bigger. I, the damage isn't as deferred. As yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely not sold that the old one was more powerful. Like, especially in coordinated play. Mm -hmm. I have, even in solo queue, I have literally gone from outer turret, taken inhibitor yeah. turret, I mean, I'd be because we got three kills. I'd be super interested to see in a theoretical world when the old one was super easy to take and then, like, the win rates of it, but that's mm -hmm. a, a pointless argument to have. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about the, the, the new one. <laughs> I, I like this new yeah. one, and the point is, it actually is. You can use it to snowball really. Like yeah. everyone's like, oh, yeah. I know Freak was like, oh well, you spend about as much time to take a turret, and then you probably get one turret. Look I've got dance it does you, when you end the game while it's still alive, that, and the fact that all it, of us have seen Nexus? that means that it actually has a large impact in the game. <laughs> That's actually a good point. So I, I, I do think it's really good. Like my my only uh, thing, like I actually a lot of people feel like when I listen to them talk about it, think it's very overpowered. I actually think it's in a pretty decent place yeah. because I do think that mm -hmm. A, you have to use it pretty intelligently. B, I don't think that you can just like drop this for free against an organized team and just automatically get a turret. It's like, you, you must get this, do something, then you can use it, right? It's like, you get this, you dive, you get this and, position, and, and I think it's pretty cool. And uh, it expires. I like that you can't just hold nice. on to it forever. And it costs you your trinket, so the longer you hold on to it, the more exactly. it costs you. There are, there, are, there are drawbacks to using it that you also have to, yeah, <laughs> take into account. Can't use that. It's they can see you now, Jack, what are you doing? <laughs> it's very punishing when I lose my trinket for this empowered recall yeah. thing. That's almost guaranteed getting me first turret, mm, but. I'm, oh. I'm so sad. <laughs> yeah. I actually, uh, one time I was standing on it and I was like, about to pick up the the buff and I was like oh shit I got to use my warding trinket before <laughs> I pick the right thing up so I pressed it pressed the ward right next to it just yeah. like get it out because I was like I won't be able to use it yeah. but what it did was immediately summon the rift arrow because <laughs> you picked it up while you were because <laughs> it was I was standing on already I don't know if you press it uh your trinket during the channel while you're picking it yeah, up, you pick it up from then it hits the summons and they killed it immediately <laughs> oh, and I was no. so sad anyways that's a little tip uh, now you don't have to yeah, make that no, fail so yourself you can also interrupt the channel yeah. if yeah. None of you have experienced that. I've before. seen that happen a couple times <laughs> yeah. where it's pretty funny. The person just like walks up straight to a turret and they start doing their little channel, and the person just comes up, stuns them, and it's and gone. it's gone. You yeah. just lose the buff that you put your time into. I, I like it. I feel like uh, I wonder if it's going to have an inflection point of the kind of early game pushing strategies and whether those actually become stronger and can mm -hmm. become the dominant strategy because there's an element of that that could happen. Show me protect the herald strategies. Yeah. yeah. Shield them up. Don't let them get to the eyeball. Can you shield them. <laughs> Uh, I know you can blood boil him because oh, okay. I played Nunu, but I don't. So I, I, you can cast stuff on him. It, yes. It's something that demands attention. The thing is, you can cast blood boil on minions too. So you you, you should probably can. One of, one of the things I'm actually uh, well, you used to be able to karma shield minions and stuff, right? Yeah. But you, they've changed that, so I, I don't actually know. I haven't tried that. But um, one of the things I'm really interested about is 
Will this shift the way that the pro players play the game? Not even just in like, oh, there's gonna be more focus around it because mm -hmm. there is, but do you play like more lane swap stuff? Do you, you know, move your bot lane top earlier, try to force situations where it's like, if you have a hard pushing bot, can you shove in bot lane, recall, immediately go top lane with your first buy and try to force this? Because like, it's not doing as much damage and stuff like that could be really interesting. Like, I think a lot about, you know, CLG when I think of interesting like pre-planned strategies mm -hmm. and, and level ones and things like that. And teams, if they can really get that going, like you could pick up some, some easy wins perhaps in the early stages of the season before people adapt to these strategies if you can come up with them. I like how it changes a little bit too, depending on what dragon spawns. Like the mm -hmm. power on the bottom side of the map that you're trading if you do yeah. focus Internal top side whatever. could depend. Yes, this I'm gonna that. steal a this or that slide because I thought it was a good <laughs> Uh, Infernal Drake or Rift Herald? Spoiler! What, what? I don't, actually don't know when we're releasing the cadence of yeah. You guys we cannot answer. I can answer because I'm yeah. not on that show. Yeah, all right. Yeah. What's your Infernal Drake? Well, we had, a, we had different Rift answers, actually. He could be okay. the tiebreaker. Yep. So, so, A, I think it depends on team composition. But if we're just assuming, like, overall, mm -hmm. I take Rift Herald because I, 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 prioritize, I prioritize early gold. <laughs> this means you're both dumb. <laughs> because I, I think that, like, the early gold, like, when, when I look at uh, what have teams prioritized in pro play normally? It does feel like people are willing to give up. Makes you think you're getting a turret with this Rift Herald, bud. <laughs> the fact that it hits the turret for half of his HP with his first charge, that's what makes me think Kobe. But it's, it's like, when I think about a lot of the top teams, they, they often do prioritize uh, turrets, like a turret trade. If they can get a turret trade for a dragon, yep. they'll try to do that. Yeah. So I kind of see this in a similar light. But I will say, like, to argue the other side, mm -hmm. if, I, if I have... You know, like if I'm running like a one threat comp, then yeah, I don't I don't care about Infernal as much. But if you have like Fiora, Graves, yeah. your mid lane is yeah. Cassio, it's, it's and you have Zyra support, and you have like yeah. Caitlyn or whatever, it's like, yeah, I'm taking the Infernal. Like, great, you got a thousand gold, but this is worth so much because we're all gonna build AD and AP. Yeah. Yeah. Our producer told us this or that goes out after this. So, so you did spoil it. I did spoil it. Congratulations. Well, go so watch that. We're, we're gonna say, uh, last thing about the patch when we're talking about kind of likes and dislikes, I wanna talk about support quests a little bit. Uh, because, oh no! Because when I first heard about support quests, I got really excited. I thought yeah. this is such Did a you? cool idea. Yeah, okay. uh, we're gonna give supports these rewards support? within the game for things that that we want to encourage them to do. I was like, oh man, okay, 14 wards, you give an assist to everyone, you clear these wards, and then you're gonna get this super powerful buff. And what it ended up being is, when you get 650 gold with your support item, you get a little bit more powerful. And I feel like if you didn't read the patch notes and you don't play support, you don't know what support quests are. I think they have such a small impact on the actual game right now. I do like the spell thief. That's what I was gonna say. With the little speed boost, that one. That was that already one the good, good support item though. Like, yeah. Didn't anything. Yeah. That that is the one that that does feel the best, especially for um, some people who can build it and like kind of engage. You know, is like something like Rakan, right? Like if you get a yeah. speed up and then you can zoom in there faster, things like that can be kind of cool. Or you know, maybe you can like close the gap like on, on Malzahar or something to get in for an ultimate. Like if you can hit someone with your Q, you zoom in there. Things like that are kind of cool. I think the other two are kind of under underwhelming. Like, yep. you know, they essentially equate to like passive stats. Like the, I was actually really excited about the, the coin one right. until I realized that I'm never in a million years gonna be able to get this to rank up by ultimate. If, if I could get this and have an ultimate at level five or something, I would be like all aboard. Right, because it gives right? you a skill point. For those of you who, who, who didn't know what support quests are, the, the talisman in Probably the most line, people. Yeah. yeah, when you get to your, I think, 650, 650 gold breakpoint, you get an extra skill point. It doesn't give you like a level 19, mm -hmm. but it gives you access to spells yeah. early on in the game. And that used to be the item where you would buy it to be passive. Uh, and now it's more of the item you buy it if you want to be greedy. Because there really isn't a support item that 
promotes passive play. And my my biggest problem with Talisman actually, when I played with the item, a it was already like the slowest to generate gold. I felt like mm -hmm. before, so it took a long time to get to the thing. Mm -hmm. But now it's like you pick up the coins and everything, and that feels cool. Like you play it the first game and you're pushing them in, and great, I'm just gonna run around grab all my coins, and then you play the next game. And you're playing against like Caitlyn Zyra or something. Like I was playing like a Jana game into Caitlyn Zyra. They had like Zed and some other divers. You should not right? buy it against that lane, and, by the way. Yeah, I, and I, I didn't realize that it's like I'm never in a million years gonna be able to pick up the coins. So I'm pushed to my turret. The coin spawns on a range minion. I either just like sit there and I'm just like dying inside because I'm like super OCD about like always having my spell thieves on cooldown, always having it. my things on cooldown, and I can never pick it up. I'm just like staring at that shit. It's timing <laughs> out. I'm just like, no. Because if you go up for it, you lose half your health to like pick up, you know, this 30 gold thing. So uh -huh. I, I felt super bad about about buying that when I had to play defensively, and like that's my biggest complaint with the talisman because. Yeah. If the spawns aren't closer to you, it's like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? It yeah, makes you feel bad. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think that that one will you know, show up much in pro play. Mm -hmm. It wasn't hugely prolific in pro play already. It was already mostly spell yeah. thieves and, and targons. One so. guy that started doing it a lot though in passive lanes, which I thought was really smart. Like even on like mm -hmm. Braum and stuff, where stepping forward and getting the targons wasn't worth the damage you would take. He started yeah. going coin. I was like, that's really smart. But that adaptation is kind of gone to your point because it's like. It isn't the passive one anymore. You have to be bullying lane for it to really be good. Yeah. yeah. Any other thoughts on midseason before we do power rankings? No, let's get into it. <sighs> Summer right. split, baby. Yeah, so the way this works is we all made power rankings lists. We intentionally did not talk to each other <laughs> to try and make these different because we didn't want Jack to- Jad wouldn't even give me his Excel sheet that, that had all of the <laughs> rosters with the <laughs> roster moves on it. He's like, no, I made I this. You I'm not giving it to you. And he gave me the generic <laughs> That's one. the official one. Mine was worse <laughs> than it. Uh, anyway, we then summed it up. Uh, we're gonna go from 10th to 1st, the 10th place team. Well, by, this, by is, this is- oh, yeah, this We is... have to define what power rankings are. Well, yes, but also this is the merged power rankings. This is yes. Yeah, we will. We'll let's reveal our to our individual ones at the end. And or let's be very clear that the these bad power <laughs> rankings are not my power rankings. <laughs> but we have yours. Well, we're gonna get yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mine are yeah. also bad, but they're not these bad power rankings. It's important to define power rankings. Uh, these ones are in mind of who do we think will have the best regular season yeah. record at the end of split. So these aren't who is the strongest team in week one. This is not who will win playoffs. This is who is the strongest team at the end of the regular season. Basically split. by record. Yeah. yeah. Number 10, uh, we have <clears throat> with an average of 9.33, <laughs> Echo Fox. I had them ninth. Kobe had them 10th. Isaac had them ninth. Kobe, we're going to start with you because you're the most extreme. I, I just wasn't sold on the... Um, you know, attempts for for changes for these guys. Like, uh, so many people thought that there was going to be big roster moves coming through, or you know, big cash being dropped somewhere. Yeah. Um, and and a lot of the other teams, uh, actually, looking at your spreadsheet that had all the moves, every single mm. team made a change. Echofox got a new coach, um, and they signed an entire Delta Fox roster that they're well, exclusively see, that's with. That's the other thing. I think that I, for me, it's a drawback that they've already declared. Um, that they're only scrimming versus their Delta team. Yeah, that's what we have heard from a tweet from Jack, who's who was owner. angry that yeah, they canceled exactly, because they, they had scrims scrim. on him. So yeah, exactly. We have to take that into account. Yeah, but like, I mean, to me, this was it was a relatively quiet midseason as mm -hmm. far as changes go. 
this was a team that conspicuously did not make a lot of changes to they, because because yeah. they needed changes. Yeah. And I mean, you look at uh, Keith, you know, and, and not to single that guy out, but the amount of flack he got. Let's single this guy. But the amount of flack that he got and stuff, like you, like I expected. Keys to be gone. Just, just yeah. being honest. I expected them to try something different to move. Something uh, do you remember yeah. that he got like what top ten challenger in Korea? In Korea. There you go. So this, but, like the team didn't seem to want to play around him. Mm -hmm. The community definitely didn't think he was good. Like by the stats, he was he was not doing well. He's been around for a while. I expected a big change. It wasn't there, and that that's why I just can't see the team. Like and this is going to be a recurring thing when we talk about a lot of these teams because I do feel like there's the potential for a lot of variance between tenth and even the teams that can squeak into the playoffs. Yeah. Teams didn't make a lot of moves because there weren't many moves to be made. They did pick up MASH, who's a challenger 80 carry from last split and has LCS experience. Who would they get? They already have both of their impart slots being used by Froggen and Looper. How right? hard did they try to get Turtle? <laughs> right? Like that's, that's actually that's a good a big point. upgrade. Turtle like, would have been a big like upgrade. How hard did you try? Maybe they gave it their best shot and Turtle was yeah. like, nope, well, I'm going to the other team. I don't want to play on Equifox. And in that case, that's the way it is. But and, like, I feel like you better have tried yeah. to get Turtle if you're Echo Fox. Like, Come on. All right, call him up. Call Rick's Fox. Get, I'm going to let him know. <laughs> Honestly, though, I, it's not even about the individual uh, player. They're, it, they did not seem to have a good team atmosphere, right? Mm -hmm. Nope. Uh, the, uh, Keith is such, he used to be such a happy dude. You know, he was always memeing. Even, even when he had poor games before, um, you know, he, he was always working hard. He was grinding solo queue. And it just, it just seemed like all the flack you were talking about from the community and definitely the, the play that they had, um, it really took a toll on him. Plus, yeah. the team did not seem to have faith. As you said, he had to, he was on Ash duty for like a hundred games in a row or something. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure that's accurate. About hundred, not three thousand. Um, yeah, you know, yeah probably, probably like ten thousand. Um, <laughs> but and it just it was it really it was really sad kind of seeing seeing that happen to a player. So yeah. even though I know that like he has performed better in the past, I don't see them making changes as far as team atmosphere or yeah. helping him to. To, to get better. I think this is going to be a big split for Froggen, too, because we can no longer give the Echo Fox excuse of, oh, they're going to be a summer split team. This is mm -hmm. their fourth split, and they've been a team for two years. Mm -hmm. uh, they, 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 and they started last split well. So the fact that they fell off towards the end of the split uh, that was that was like the last thing for me is you look last year and it's like the big bright spot was Acadian playing super aggressive junglers. When you listen to him talk, he hates the state of the jungle. He think he like he had, <laughs> yeah. had, had made it very clear that he thinks junglers are very weak, can't really affect the game. Yeah. I disagree. And they were the strongest role but, in the game. So. But it, but it's like is his playstyle, at least the way that I think of his playstyle, is the carry junglers, assassin junglers, like tank junglers coming in doesn't really suit him. And, and, and to me, that's another thing that's going to hit them even more, and that's why I put yeah. them so low. We got 10 teams to cover, though. We have yeah. Equifox, uh, 9.33. Next one, average vote of 9. Envy, I had them 10th. This, this one has a lot of variants. Mm. I had them 10th. Kobe had them 7th. And Isaac had them 8th. Yep. I guess I'll start. Yeah. Because I... Uh, and yeah. I they, had, you I know had they brought in Pyrian, right? They yeah. Switched out. Yeah, and nothing He's else. not a Pyrian fan. Yeah. So here's here's the thing. I had He's a like, lot oh, of... oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I knew all about it. <laughs> I... Pyrian actually is a was an extremely high rated solo queue player. As well, he, he stayed in. The he was US. like eleven hundred LP or something. He, he was a yeah. Phoenix One sub the the whole split. He's just never going to start in, in instead of Ryu. Uh, it's tricky because Envy was far and away the worst record in the LCS last split, but they could never close games. And I don't think Ninja was necessarily always to blame for them being unable to close games. And I don't see them True. doing anything to fix those problems. Uh, as much as we just kind of talked down Echo Fox, I still have a little bit of faith in their structure from 
even scrimming Delta Fox to having good practice facilities to theoretically being able to improve over time. And I don't see those same things with Envy. There's a lot of interchangeability between six and 10, so I just ended up having Envy uh, last. I mean, so for me, like the, the, while I agree that Ninja was certainly not the, at fault in every game, like we're, we're not we're not we're not talking we're not talking about them going from tenth to first. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking about them going from tenth to eighth, right? Yeah. Like like he was at fault in quite a few of those games. Yeah. And if Pyrian could just like not get randomly picked off at 50 minutes, like as as Ninja was was very like commonly doing, like he would. That was my biggest thing with him is he would play lanes great. He could snowball if he was ahead. But late game, it always seemed to be the scenario where it's like, oh god. Why is Ninja there? Oh, what's happening? Oh, he's yeah. dead. And then they lost the game. So, I mean, you give them a couple more wins, they're moving up. And I just feel like Lyra has become such yeah. a strong jungler. Yeah. If they think this is a better fit for their team and if he can work well There's with There's no Pyrian. way Lyra gets 10th place again. <laughs> yeah. oh, First God. team now all in ALCS. On now I want to change my rankings. You jinxed it. Yeah. Uh, Kobe, you had him um, 7th. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I pretty much concur with most of uh, Azale's reasonings. I... I feel like they did make a big change, you know, taking out Ninja. And like I said, I have so much faith in Lyra. I just think he's Me such too. such an extremely yeah. good jungler. He can carry some games. I think yeah, he was good. A lot of games. I don't have faith in Seraph. Oh my goodness. The the amount of NA solo queue trash talk leading to bad improvement like just sits so badly yeah. with me. Uh, yes, I understand that it's not the same practice environment as Korea versus NA, but uh, I, I saw a yeah, he doesn't seem to have a good attitude. Yeah, this is, this is not going to translate very well to the podcast, but did you guys see that cartoon where Seraph was riding a bicycle, like, and he puts a spoke in his, <laughs> I did see in that, his bicycle yeah. and falls over, and then, he, blames, NA solo and then he blames NA solo yeah, for yeah. falling off of his bike? Like, right. that's, that's honestly what it feels like a lot of times. Like, so much is wrong with what they're doing, and he's saying he can't improve his shot calling playing solo queue. Everyone is experiencing the same environment, and you can't keep scapegoating yeah. this one part of your practice environment this, for the reason for your non-success. And this is a little bit of a tangent, but actually, I actually agree quite a bit, and it was like you saw Dardock was actually went on kind of the spree of tweets, and it, it was talking about you know, people kind of attacking NA players for saying, oh, you know, NA solo queue is, isn't that good. Like, oh, you can't play, blah, blah, blah. You know, and Dardock kind of went on this this little tweet. Be the free, solution. Saying, well, <laughs> and, and he was just talking about like, you know what, you actually can play that much. Like he has uh, eight, eight games or whatever eight, he was yeah. saying, something like that. And it's like, you can play multiple accounts. You can like find ways around it. You can just deal with the longer queue times. Like, you still can put it in. It may not be the ideal um, situation, but I do think that you can still get a lot out of out of practicing in those environments even just using it to really prepare as best you can for the scrims. I'm not saying that solo queue translates directly to LCS stage, but you become extremely proficient on a good pick, then you take that to a scrim, then you take that to stage. It's a three-step process to me. It's like, you know, it's solo queue to scrims to LCS. Yeah, and I really do think there's so much, so much of League of Legends is 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 staying sharp with, with the current meta, Repetition. right? And, and with the game. Repetition, but like even experiencing situations in game so that you can react quicker the next time. Even even if you already know the correct plan, you're like, oh, I would obviously, you know, go for the red buff invade <laughs> right now. But actually being in that situation and reacting one second quicker means a whole lot. Yeah. NB seventh still? Yeah. All right. We're not I'm gonna not change. I'm not I'm not yeah. changing any of You're not gonna you double your, back. Your, your great argument through? to put yeah. them tenth is gonna <laughs> uh, Well we, they were tenth before, so they probably will be again. <laughs> Do you concur? <laughs> they were three and fifteen last split. Uh number eight, uh cumulatively, we have Team Liquid. They were eight point three three. Oh, got it. I had TL in seventh, Kobe had him eighth. You had him tenth. Adam tenth. Oh tenth. Explain all right. yourself. All right. Yeah. So I mean to to me, this is like, you know, we we talk about 
th things that you were expecting to be changed, right? Um, Piglet, you know, they put a mid, they brought <laughs> they, a double if. They went like back to the original yeah, roster. Yeah, like they're this like, ah, we're, you know, Steve was kind of exactly. on a soapbox talking about like all the changes they were different making. Coach. And, um, oh, Steve, I said. Oh, yeah, uh, I know. Owner, so, sorry, right? uh, the same roster, different coach yeah, yeah. from spring um, to summer. But, you know, talking about all the changes that they're making and all the effort that they're putting into this, and it's like, really, they got saved from relegation by double lift. Like, mm -hmm. I, double lift laying incredibly well. They still were not a good team with double lift. They still were not very good. And then you, you take this roster, you go back to the old roster that really sucked, and and what, uh, Golden Glue going to Korea for a couple weeks is supposed to make this a good team? I mean, are you kidding me? It's like, like it, it doesn't change. And I think that unless unless the coach really makes a big change, mm -hmm. then I, I, I'll be happy to eat my words. But I just think that it's like, this is the same team we saw failing. This is the same team we saw, you know, not really seeming to get along, being tilted, like having all these issues, you know, Golden Glue getting attacking, smashing lane every game. And it's like, I just don't think that a couple weeks in Korea changes anything. I agree that a couple weeks in Korea doesn't change anything, but I don't think that's the argument to make for them being better this time around. They have, they, this is definitely one of the organizations with huge support staff. Uh, mm -hmm. As you said, they're, they're changing the coach. They also have a vast array of subs. I mean, we yeah. talk about Delta Fox and Echo Fox saying, oh, they're yeah. only going to scrim that team. Team Liquid also have a full roster that they could scrim, plus they haven't said we're only scrimming yeah. our TL's season, right? current sub-roster, Arc Second, Link, Youngbin, Konkwon, Slushi, with Coach Kane. Yeah. So, I mean, and they still have made a lot of changes. We know St. Ficious was their head strategic coach last split. He's now with Team Dignitas. Yeah. Uh, we know they brought in Kane, who I actually have heard really good things about from anyone who's worked with them. Uh, and that's, that's kind of why I, I put them seventh. Uh, I also think there's a little bit more at work here. They have a former MVP in Rainover, who I think for a time was the smartest and best jungler yeah. in the NALCS. And he fell off last split because I think he really didn't fit the meta very well. Yeah. There's a chance the meta actually fits him super well right now. And <laughs> this is the last time I'm going to have any faith in Golden Glue. Yeah. Because there is a <laughs> chance that he is actually able to perform because he just feels so committed to being good. I think there was that chance uh, last split as well. And the problem that he had, what what everyone told me the problem was, mm -hmm. was, oh yeah, even even Jack was was talking about like, oh yeah, you know, he's actually really good in scrim. They really, mm -hmm. they prefer scrimming Team Liquid. Like they get good practice out of him because Gorglu is actually, you know, quite good in scrims, but he, you know, had, had a lot of trouble performing on stage. And again, I come back to kind of a similar thing with Keith where Golden Glue was flamed super hard. Yeah. And that definitely gets you. No matter yeah. how much you want to say, I'm staying off social media or whatever, if so many people are just pelting you with you can't avoid ideas it. and you're like, you think they're so wrong, but you you, you haven't like you can't explain to them and no one's gonna like clear your name or whatever. I think one of the toughest it parts about play. that is and, it affects your teammates' opinion of you, I think, as well. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Like you your teammates hear enough times and see enough replays of him doing something bad or messing something up, or yeah. they see the stats he's always as far behind, like it shakes your teammates' confidence in you as well. And this guy, like, he's been around long enough that I feel like at a certain point, you, you're getting what you're seeing, right? Like, you you know, at a certain point, there's not usually uh, some massive shift in play. Like, the one argument that I that I buy and that I could I could really get into is Rainover, the meta fitting him really well. And if yep. Rainover can really go back to, like, MVP form, then they will probably jump up at least a few spots because Rainover was incredible for for a couple yeah. of years, but Golden Glue has has never shown that kind of thing on the stage. And at this point, it's like, how many games on stage do you need before you can show that? Like at a certain point, that's just the level He's that you're had showing. Like three years. Yeah. So it's like you He's know, had a while. after three years, that's just how good you are. Yeah. Uh, another one that is questionable for me on Team Liquid, even though I, I have them higher than other people. If if Piglet is good, 
uh, they could be higher. He's a world champ, Jack. Did you know? Yeah. Did you hear but that? The other thing is, last split, man, when Piglet and Matt were getting double killed in all of these lanes, and then he said, ah, our problem is you just can't carry with the current set of champions. Like, dude, what, what is going on? Have I, you tuned into Arrow games? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Arrow was having an MVP, MVP performance on the carries that Piglet didn't deem powerful. I do think the role is a lot stronger now. Mm -hmm. And if there was a motivation problem with Piglet that was one of the reasons he was falling astray, the fact that you can carry now would be a way that he could do it. But I, I am, I am kind of shocked that Piglet is even starting on this team. I think after, a lot of people were shocked that year. the whole roster is the same. You can kind of make that argument roster, with right? almost everyone yep. on this yeah. team, aside from Rainover, who I would keep almost regardless. Yeah. Or Lolo. I think Lolo is actually pretty solid. Yeah. Like when you look at like in the field of top lane, like I, I actually think he's a pretty decent player. All right, number seven. What we got? Number seven. We have Immortals uh, with an average vote of eighth, but they're seventh. Uh, <laughs> Something about fractures. Dad did all the math himself, by the way. <laughs> Maybe this is wrong. Anyway, uh, I have Immortals eighth. You have him uh, ninth, and Isaac has him sixth. I have seventh. Seventh. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Seventh, eighth, ninth. Would I average. No, you, had, you had NB seven. No. Maybe I did the math wrong. That's all right. De you yeah. definitely did something there. Uh -huh. uh, Immortals, though. Let's start this off. I think the, it's safe to say we have. Let's talk about the changes. Uh, they got X Smithy mm -hmm. and uh, traded him to CLG uh, for Darduck there. I think so. Where did you have them? This is act, I have them nine. Okay. Ninth. I have them ninth. Eighth. Yeah. Um, I just felt like, where is the proactive, you know, shot calling going to come from? Where is any sort of playmaking coming from here? Because uh, Smithy hasn't been that type of jungler, yeah. uh, and he even had like. Uh, Probably one of his, you know, down splits, last split with CLG. Um, and then across the, the rest of this team, uh, what are the strong voices that are, that are really going to, you know, cause them to go forward and actually create their own uh, yeah. leads? Uh, I've, I'll double up on that. I found the error in my ways. I was okay. off by one number. <laughs> uh, their average is 7.67, so still nothing actually changes about our power rankings. Perfect. And I think a lot of this will be on uh, whether or not Immortals can grow as a team and if Dardock was in... A detriment to their growth mm -hmm. because they did grow a lot. I thought Cody Sun and Olay were awesome later in the bottom lane for the latter mm -hmm. half of the split. Mm -hmm. uh, Poe Belter is still a player who has won an NALCS split before, uh, even if he's never been a carry. Can't on take it away games. from him. Can't take it away. <laughs> I like and he won. He won with Smithy. Flame won five years ago. I mean, but but legitimately, uh, <laughs> if Smithy is that team play jungler and that can work for them, and they, mm -hmm. the biggest struggle is going to be finding a carry four immortals but i i think this is a team that is uh what's their what's their peak right Wh who's actually going to carry this team which is essentially why i would have them in eighth yeah i mean i have them at seventh it's not like i have them monumentally high but but it, it was based on 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 the growth of their bot lane i actually think that their bot lane did uh clearly become like a top half bot lane i thought that they were getting consistently a lot better when you look at like cody sun and la start of the start of the split versus the end of the split like that was a huge amount of growth to me so if they could continue that growth like that could possibly be the mm -hmm. area that they can carry from especially because Olay like actually was a playmaking support i think he was one of the best supports in north america last mm -hmm. year i think i had him third in in voting or something like that i put him second time. yeah so like i had him high up there yeah, yeah. So, so that that to me is, is kind of the thing and and while you know, I, I look at their wins, and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, Dardock carried a lot of those games. Like, he hard carried some games, but then I look at a lot of their losses, I was like, ooh, Dardock was, was, was also kind of why they lost yeah. a lot of those games. And and my hope is for Smithy, you know, that that he can play some of these tank jugglers, that he can be, like, a stable 
uh, you know, kind of force for their team with some of these yet really young guys like Cody Sun and, and that they can develop around them and, and be, you know, a relatively solid team. Yeah. Yeah, their coach also song, so they made a coaching change as well. That can always have some pretty big implications. Uh, ready to move on? Next yep. team? Yeah. Because uh, we're moving into playoffs as far as who would be projected. Dignitas, Team Dignitas, sixth for all of us. Dignitas, Team Dignitas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, they are wow. Team Dignitas, they, not so, Dignitas. So we all uh, we all landed on six then, huh? Yeah, we, we actually had a little bit of the same for six, five, four, three, but we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, the, these Thoughts. changes are most mostly around the subs and the coaching, right? Because they actually said Expecial is not going to start, uh, in the, at least at the beginning big, of the right? split, yeah, right? Yeah, I heard it was going to be big. And big is fair, in there. They were sixth last split as well. Yeah, and and the reasons that they gave for uh, Big as well as Shrimp as uh, also being added as mm -hmm. a sub mm -hmm. were 100% communication. It was so much about communication with this team. And I feel like that right there gave me at, at least a little bit of confidence because they identified something that was very clearly one of their problems and they, they head-on wanted to attack it. Uh, they also brought on Saint, um, as I said earlier, uh, to help out with coaching. And they did seem like they were a stronger team in the second half. You know, like they made mm -hmm. some changes. They they started to, it's, it felt like some things were coming together. And I, I do have some faith in them. Like someday, while it, he was not dominating like you maybe expected to, him to from the first like week or two where everyone was super high on him, myself included, he still had like incredible landing stats. He's still very strong. Like they have some very strong pieces. And you it, it still kind of feels like, to me, that they should be a playoff team just based off talent alone, almost, yeah. and 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 that's why I, I find it hard to see a world in which they're like not in playoffs. But who yeah, knows? I, yeah, I, you have them at right on the edge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and and that's the thing that we should reiterate with these rankings is there was a lot of parity in the LCS last split mm -hmm. where it did feel like in a lot of games anyone mm -hmm. could beat anyone. I think we're gonna have a similar rollout to this split. I think someday has an element of settling in to North America. At first, with Team Dignitas, it felt like he felt like he had to carry every single game. And the team actually lost when they played directly around him, I'd say more often than not. I thought they found most of their success when he was just dominant tank play and Keen and the rest of the team were kind of having the carry pants. The big question for me is still going to be the bottom lane with Laudan Big or Laudan Special. Mm -hmm. I don't have faith in that side of the map kind of whatsoever, but that still kind of lands them in six to me because they have so much strength in the top lane. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Lod, I remember him coming in his spring split was like, he, he felt like he had all the pieces yeah. around him. He that was the was one it. that needed to perform. Well, and what, like he was saying, he had no more excuses, right? That was his time mm -hmm. to perform and stuff. And he really uh, did not become that dominant AD carry that, you know, he was obviously like hoping, helping you grow into. And and they have stabilized their coaching and stuff. But I, but I do have to feel like, you know, for for him, you know, this is maybe the last split, I think, that people kind of look at it optimistically, like, oh, maybe there's still a lot of room to grow. Mm -hmm. Because... You know, you once you're in the league for long enough, and you've performed at the same level for long enough, mm -hmm. that's just probably where you're going to be. Yeah, Kobe, we don't, we don't, thoughts? we don't see that much variation actually. After uh, a couple of years, people don't suddenly have <laughs> a, a kind of big breakthrough. But has uh, that happened it, with any player who just I, like, I was, suddenly? Well, as I was saying it, I was trying to yeah. drop my words, so I had time to think of. Yeah. Have Have Maybe, we seen a really Fuhi, big? But he still had big performances and and like up and downs. But like I feel like this most recent year was who he's best. I think Smoothie did that. I think Smoothie was a uh, really Smoothie, average player for a while, yeah. and then he was best support in the split. That's yeah. fair. Smoothie, yeah. Smoothie's a pretty good That's a pretty it good example. It definitely can happen. It's just pretty rare. It just usually does not, and yeah. people do not expect it. Uh, but I think we're good for number five. Yep. Yeah. Uh, FlyQuest. All of us put FlyQuest fifth. Here I thought that I was going to put FlyQuest lower because everyone always yeah, said that. Jeff, I absolutely hated them all split last split, yeah. and uh, they ended up fourth. 
So why, why are they fifth now, Jet? Uh, well, so <clears throat> even during their third, fourth place <clears throat> match, okay. when they were up two to one, I was just like, man. Can't wait for them to I, lose. I, yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I still don't think like, they're yeah, that they good. Still... Like, I still don't think they should be the third place team. Sure enough, they weren't. They were fourth. Uh, and they had the reverse sweep against COG, which, yep. which, which put them ahead of them in the playoffs. Uh, I think COG upgraded. We'll get to them in a little bit. Uh, I think Wild Turtle is an upgrade. Uh, and talking about all of the problems uh, from the teams we've just talked about that are below them, I feel like FlyQuest just has less of those and they have a higher upside. Uh, I do think, uh, they, they mentioned I some about like a six-man roster with Altec and Wild Turtle. I think if they do go with Wild Turtle, that's an environment where he can really thrive. Yeah. I think if you look throughout history, when Wild Turtle's had his best splits, it's when he is with a mid laner who creates a lot of pressure and dies a lot because he's going in and creating fights. And High can do that. So I think Wild Turtle uh, will thrive in that environment uh, in this world. And I think the fact that they consistently kind of proved themselves last split means they can do it again. Yeah, I was actually super excited to hear the Wild Turtle acquisition for FlyQuest because I was feeling pretty bad about uh, the TSM 280 carry thing with double F. I felt like Turtle was going to get shafted there and get mm -hmm. very little playtime. But... As you said, not only mid laners that are super aggressive, but it had been high and moon, basically like two manning the early game and just going mm -hmm. super ham, bunch of skirmishes, you know, going super hard on people. Um, Turtle, Turtle as well could fit into the, the play style of this whole team. Of this could be like our turbocharged team, like super aggressive, mm -hmm. you know, early game team um, that also can practice, you know, these, uh, you know, surprise picks uh, or whatever to come through. And, and I'm actually pretty excited about this iteration of FlyQuest. Mm -hmm. Plus, Turtle um, with High, I mean, they, they have history together. Like, he really trusts High as a shot caller. And I think that Turtle will thrive in, in an environment where they have that strong in-game leadership. Yeah, and that, that was more what made me think that they would succeed again rather than, like, mid-lane pressure. Because, I mean, Bjergsen brings mid-lane pressure, right? Like, like that is, I mean, he doesn't play as recklessly as High, mm -hmm. but he's, like, he's a force in mid-lane. We know mm -hmm. how good he is. But for me, one of the biggest things is, like, it feels like this is a team that would be more willing to like accommodate Turtle, his play style, and like incorporate him more into the team. Whereas on TSM, it always kind of felt. I like... mean, this is a team that was like, "Go ahead, play Mordekaiser bottom lane, yeah, play yeah. play Shaco jungle." So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, whereas, whereas TSM, it, it felt like it was kind of like four guys in Turtle, and like he's kind of like put on some stuff, and he's not really mm -hmm. going to get that much to the farm. You know, it's Bjergsen and Hans are the stars, and they're going to do their thing. And like this is a team that may work better with him. And also, you know, like like High is, is famous for being kind of like the micromanaging player and, and really like, you know, controlling the pieces on the board kind of thing, like working well with his team. And they like to play super aggressively, which already fits Turtle style. So like, yeah. I see them as a solid team and, and I put them fifth, but like, I was debating even higher, right? Like, yeah, I, I was thinking like right? anywhere from like third to fifth, I could see <laughs> that's that. like, <laughs> it's just like, this is interesting, but stop been, what you're saying right now. <laughs> we have been feeding them compliments. They finished fourth last split. Why would we have them fifth this split? What, what's bad about this team then? Like, what's going to hold them down? Because I, I think that uh, CLG and P1 will, like, have had more growth. That's mm -hmm. my thing. I think P1 improved a lot over the season, and they were consistently quite a bit better than TSM, everyone but TSM and C9. And I think that CLG is, like, pretty reinvigorated. But we can get into those as we get to yeah. these teams. And that was actually uh, one of the topics where I kind of wanted to jump in before when you were talking about the parity and how close everything yeah. was. I think that... It actually got, you know, a bit wider spread here with the top halves of the teams Getting making better. some some good changes. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of them made some pretty good, you know, proactive changes. Whereas a, for our discussion of, you know, a lot of the bottom teams, mm -hmm. not many, you know, big changes that people were excited about. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, Number four? Phoenix won. Uh, they finished third well, last. Is it, is it, are we all the same for all of them? Yeah, uh, we all? have a little bit of. Oh, right. Uh, there's the a top. There's a twist at the there's end. A twist. Ooh. <laughs> Surprise ending. Uh, Phoenix won is fourth, even though they finished third last split. A team that actually went yeah. into the playoffs with that uh, seven man roster, right? They had, they, they went through three supports last mm -hmm. year. Sounds like Shady's gonna be the guy. Sounds like Honori's gonna be the jungler. All is settled yes. in Phoenix One Land. Phoenix One has two jungler subs. Yeah. Uh, they Medios. added Mike Young, and uh, Medios is still there, though I I've doubt Medios is ever gonna. Who is Mike Young? Uh, I saw him play with Bjergsen last night in solo queue, mm -hmm. and he did. He wasn't doing very well. Oh, he sucks. So uh, I didn't. I didn't have solo the best test. first yeah. impression, but I only watched like a third of the game that he was playing with Bjergsen. Yeah, we're not here to talk about Mike Young. <laughs> we're here to talk about uh, Phoenix One. <laughs> reigning, returning MVP, Arrow. Yep. Uh, po positive things for them is the yeah. fact that they did kind of jump into potentially the elite class last split, but every time they had a chance to actually take down the elite class, they they lost. That That's the big thing to me that like made it hard for me to put them at the very top. Like It just felt like they were not clutch, right? Like they, yeah. They're good team. They're better than the teams below them, but they are worse than the teams above them. And, and like, you know... Talking about CLG, like I, the only reason I put them uh, below CLG is simply because I feel like that is more of like a clutch team, a playmaking team that can, can make things happen against teams that are perhaps better than them. Uh, for P1, one of the most exciting players for me is actually Zig because I think that this guy has been steadily improving and getting quite good. Uh, I was pretty impressed by him last year. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if, if your bot lane is, is playing really, really well, if you have MVP caliber performances there, if Rio can really step up and the stability of the team plus an improving top lane, then this mm -hmm. team does have some room to grow and, and maybe could surge. But, yeah. but I think that they're like certainly like a top area team. Just mm -hmm. maybe they can't actually break in. One of the biggest things for me is that they were making so many... Um, you know, roster swaps. Just like ear flicky like, little roster yeah. swaps. People, little tweaks back and forth. The, and you never really You could tell the start. players were uncomfortable a little bit. And if, if they, you know, they've settled on it and, mm -hmm. you know, the team atmosphere also gets better, then, um, you know, I definitely see, you know, positive yeah. things. I mean, Fly, Ryu, and Arrow yeah. run that show for the most part. Uh, then they kind of swapped everyone around. I think Inori's performance is going to be a big question mark, right? Sure. He, he was he theoretically well, is going the Curry junglers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, or if Medios, you know, decides to try and play League of Legends, then I feel like he could jump in. But yeah, number three. It, it's hard to overhype that team because number three, the team that we're most likely overhyping. Yeah. Uh, CLG again, again. By the way, they signed Dardoch. Last last uh, split, we overhyped them as well. They got reverse swept in the playoffs. It's in the past. Yeah. Third place. I actually feel like with the right type of performance, CLG could win the split. So do I. Uh huh. Oh, I, I, I'm third. And what about the cryogenics uh, little boot camp yeah. that they've been doing? They keep tweeting That's out weird. all these. They went to some sports facility to train. They did. Uh, I watched their. I wish I remember the name of the sports facility, but it's. They did, I watched their their boot camp tour. They just yeah. walked through as a bunch of people playing basketball and yeah. lifting weights and they're getting cryo-freezing. It's like, sure, that's good for athletes, but is this really helping you with your League of Legends game? I, mean, I think a little bit. To me, to me, the only the only thing is, okay, you're bringing in someone who's like very kind of an outsider. Dardoch has a really bad reputation. Uh, you know, oh yeah, signed three years from Immortals. Yeah, we're really committed. That's why they froze Get him out, right? Like, you know, they're, they're just like, <laughs> this, this guy's just been throwing people, like throwing people. He was flaming to too much, cryo-freezing. Cryo-freeze. <laughs> but it's, it's like, it's kind of like, I, I feel like something like this can be good because it incorporates someone into the team. Like, it's like kind of just a team bonding thing. That's mm -hmm. at least how I see it. You're doing all this stuff together. You can like build up a bit of a friendship and, and hopefully like have 
like a more comfortable atmosphere going into scrims and going into the season. Yeah. And if he is fully incorporated into the team and buys into the team and like can actually kind of like for lack of a word, word, word yeah. be reformed, then I think they will do very well. Yeah, and one of the things uh, that was really big as well, uh, every time Dardock switches teams, there, there's a reason that he keeps switching teams, right? And teams are- toxic. Well, no, well, also, so you <laughs> yeah. have to have that. Part that, of the reason, but yeah. not the entire reason. Let me reason. explain the entire equation to you, Azale. First part one is part that toxic. Uh, the, the team he's on has to want to get rid of him, right? Mm. So that maybe we can attribute that to your uh, toxic uh, <laughs> variable there. The other part of the equation wants him. is that someone has to want to pick him up. He's a great and player. And a lot of teams mm -hmm. really do, and you know, rightfully so, value super good mechanics. He's actually a very, very playmaker. strong jungler. He is a playmaker. Um, for me, I feel like CLG is the most equipped uh, as far as the structure they have for the team. Right. Zix has been a coach. With, he was an analyst with the coach, and then he was a coach for the team for a very, very long time. I feel like time. he's been with them for over three it's years. probably like the longest standing yeah. staff member for, for most uh, yeah. organizations. Plus, that's out of game. Then in game, they also have Aframu, who is you know such a strong voice in game and demands so much respect. Yeah. So I feel like that set up like this is kind of the perfect uh, yeah. you know setup for it for it to take off. I think COD's story is just so <laughs> so fascinating the split because we have to keep in mind that they just broke up the longest standing roster in yeah. the NALCS. They mm -hmm. had that starting point with Nick Smithy for so long and last split was such a letdown for them that I thought there's a chance that the team just explodes because the whole spring split, if we think about it, they talked about scaling and learning the meta and how their teamwork is so good. And it almost felt like they were the Cleveland Cavaliers type team who's so experienced, they're gonna hit the playoffs and be good and just hit the ground running. Then they lost in the first round by getting reverse swept. So at that yeah. point, you, you have to kind of reinvent yourself, right? So adding Dardock is a very risky move. And I think so much of it hinges, uh, A, on Dardock's maturity level, but B, on Aframu's ability to demand authority from Dardock. And that hinges on his play. Because last split, as much leadership or cool under pressure that Aphromoo had, he played bad and he fed in a lot of games. And if mm -hmm. he's doing that, I think Dardock loses respect for him. But if Aphromoo returns to nearly MVP form, that team is golden. And everyone's kind of, you know, taking swings at Dardock and, and, and kind of talking down to him a bit because he keeps on changing teams. But I also think it is important not only to demand respect from him, but also give him respect. Yeah. Because it goes both ways. Dardock has a lot of very good ideas. Like I say, he, he's not only is he a very good individual player, I think he's very intelligent about the game as well. He's really and, smart. and, you know, yes, he does get frustrated sometimes, but uh, I kind of want to, uh, you know, put my faith in him as well, go to bat for Dardock. For incredibly a smart player, incredibly talented player. And with that comes a huge amount of confidence, which bleeds into arrogance a lot of the time, which right. I think gives him a lot yeah. of problems. And to, to me, that's just the last thing. This is the. Career-defining split, I feel like, for Dardock. I, I feel it's like funny because I heard people. Defining. I heard people saying last time when he changed teams to Immortal, they were like, "Okay, this is it. He, he's gonna." To, to me, to me, like this, 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 this is yeah. it. Like, and like, you know, I'm sure people will say that they're gonna say that every time. I didn't feel the same way about Immortals. I feel like you slot into a team that has multi multiple championships, has very experienced support staff, is very like well-rounded as a unit and like very cohesive as a team. Yeah. And if you cannot succeed here, like if he gets bounced out of CLG after a split, this is a guy who's probably just gonna bounce around from team to team yeah. for whoever needs him. He's not gonna be that big superstar, but he could be. And this is, I think is his best chance. Hit me with the twist. The best team he has ever been on. Number two is C9.
The twist, though, I, I guess you would call it a twist. I put C9-1, you guys both put them too. Uh-huh. Trying to make up for all those years of memeing them in uh, shit-talking <laughs> Cloud9, huh, Jack? I made, ah! so what's this? I made one <laughs> video about C9 two and a half years ago. Uh, but what, a, about the, uh, what, what about the tweets? What about the tweets? Yeah, 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 the tweets. Yeah, the tweets about solo queue. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. It. He forgot I about like those. I have ones. probably Selective complimented. I've probably complimented C9 more than All any right. other caster. Jack, lay it on us. Why yeah. is C9 going to be number one? Uh, based on the the power rankings, we're saying <laughs> who is going to be the best team at the, the end of the regular season? We saw SKT lose. We saw SKT lose two last night. I just think there's going to be some integration with Doublelift coming back from MSI, learning mm -hmm. the patch, getting the shot calling back with TSM. It's going to make him drop more games early in the season. And I think C9 has a much higher chance to hit the ground running and potentially will be hungrier because of the Game 5 loss to TSM in the finals that they will just shoot out of the gate. You're going to be hungrier yes. than TSM that just got flamed for two weeks straight while in MSI <laughs> by the entire region? I think TSM is our region. I think. Oh, yeah, exactly. We're, We're talking just about our the region. two best teams. They are in starving. The they, like, they are super hungry, dude. Yeah. yeah I th Jensen's hungry. I, I, I agree, though. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. like, if, if there is a reason that C9 has a better record than TSM at the end of the split, mm -hmm. I think it's probably, you know, TSM having problems with like shot calling or whatever at the start. But I am on the TSM first place train. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think that C9 is an exceptional team and they're a team, yeah. I mean, they came within an inch of being the ones to go to MSI, right? Um, you know, Zonia's away as the, as the promo was talking about. Ooh, and it's like- That's a nice promo. Still and, too soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but like, so, so they certainly can challenge, I think, I think TSM, but it's so hard to bet against TSM when I felt like they made a significant downgrade, uh, you know, from from Double Lift to Wild Turtle, mm -hmm. and they still ended up first, even with a bad start, even with you know being a couple games behind C9 last split. C9 started faster. TSM had a worse roster than they do now, and they still get first. It's like it almost feels like they're just uh, going to be too good. And by the end of the season, I can't see I can't see C9 surpassing. Yeah, and all the worries about shot calling that I hear from people. Uh, people are like, oh, yeah, well, you know, Hanser got used to a shot calling and Bjergsen shot calling, so that's two, so you can't have three, that's too many. Yeah, I mean, to you me, may as well just merge the C9 and TSM conversations now because yeah. we know TSM is number one. Yep. If we're all in the power ranking, C9 is number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, down. To me, that's just, that's kind of ridiculous because almost all members of TSM have, have talked about the shot calling problems and how there's a lack of it. So mm -hmm. if anyone is like, oh, adding doubles is going to be too many voices, too much shot calling, yeah. I think that goes against... Everything that all of the players and the coaching staff have all talked about, you know, them being wanting to be more decisive and wanting to have, you know, more clear decisions within the game. Yeah. Double lift is definitely um, a, a decisive person. Whether, where it could miss is if, uh, you know, those are the wrong decisions. Yeah, I, I, I think it. that is an overall win for TSM, and I do think the yeah. double lift on TSM is definitely an upgrade. Uh, what, what's interesting is I, this is uh, Bjergsen's opportunity to have his best split ever, so to speak, if he has to do less shot calling in game mm -hmm. and can style on more people and capitalize on opportunities made by yeah. others. And one of the reasons that I also agree that shot calling is not an issue, it's not It's not like this is like, you know, some random person coming in and being like, guess yeah. what guys, you gotta listen to me. This is double of two, I think, has already earned the respect of all those players. You know, they know him as such a good player. And it's like, even if Hanser, you know, had to shot call less or whatever, you would you'd feel like, they would be okay, that there would be the mutual respect there, that whoever is, is in the best position to make the calls could make the calls and the team would listen. Like, that's that's what I'm expecting. But C9 with the top lane situation, you know, in finals it looked pretty cool with, mm -hmm. with Impact and Ray. Like, that's actually, all right, if they're going to play different types of champions and specialize there, maybe that actually works really well, and maybe mm -hmm. that could give them the advantage. Because I think 
that is a situation in which subs can work really well. If you can have them like yeah. practicing more champions than Hanser could possibly practice, if it's like an advantage, you know what I mean? Like if, if that's your thing, if Ray is is just so godlike at ten different carry champions and and you know impact is so godlike at these ten other champions and they can always have the right pick, then maybe that works. But the other side of that coin is that you don't you split time in practice and you have to relearn things. I think what is important here is that um, to me the top two are clearly a cut above like the rest yeah. of the league. Unless the COG formula just yeah. magically Because we we're talking about, oh yeah, a little bit different here. You may have TSM, may have Cloud9 as far as finishing regular uh, season game numbers, but I think that both those teams are clearly These are our top two, yeah. Yeah, and there's a chance during the regular season, uh, I know the TSM needs to find, really want to find a way to stop losing all their stuff <laughs> internationally, uh, and they're, they're Historical solve for that has been to to try and practice more in the NALCS rather than mm -hmm. trying to win every game, uh, which would be another reason why I'd put C9 above them because I feel like if they experiment too much, they're going to drop a lot of games towards the North American LCS. Last year, they won a lot of games. Yeah, and then and they, they lost a lot of games at Worlds, so they didn't do it right. Uh, <laughs> that's it, I think, for Power yeah. Rankings. So we're going to move on to Twitter questions. questions. Uh, first one up is from a former TSM member, Jarge. Jarge. Oh no! We can Jarge? never get his pronunciation oh, my right goodness. on broadcast. Jarge, J-A-R-G-E. Anyway, the question is: How do you manage the <laughs> educational? How do you manage the education and storytelling aspects in color casting? And do you find yourself conflicted at all trying to balance the two? I think most definitely. Yeah, I, I find I like myself. I, I find myself very conflicted sometimes because sometimes I think that there's like some little tiny little thing in the game that happened, and I'm, I think it's so cool, but I have to realize that probably most people don't care at all about it. Like, if I go over in depth on it, right, it's like, oh, I want to point out an item difference or something and, and why it's so important. You can maybe point it out, but sometimes it's not worth the cost to, like, everything else that you're glossing over to, like, deep dive on this thing for a couple minutes in the cast. Like, it doesn't always make sense. And that, for me, is is the really hard part, is, is finding the proper balance in, like, how deep do you go on an individual thing that interests you but maybe is not relevant to, to most of the viewers. Yeah, and, and it even goes a, a step further for me as well because... We have been casting for so long, mm -hmm. um, and we have explained concepts so many times yeah. that to us, sometimes something like that will pop up, and you know, I'll see an interaction, and I'll, mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll just be like, oh, well, you know, I've talked about that five times, yeah. so I don't want to repeat myself and, and say that again. And, and then um, you see you know, someone else ex explains it in, in a different game like a week later, and everyone's like, oh my god, that's so genius, <laughs> and you're like, wait a second. like. Okay, well, I guess, you know, people don't watch every single yeah. game that you cast, so they don't, like, have this log of, oh, he's repeating yeah. himself again, you know, exactly. talking about those Krugs again. Yeah, I, I, the way I manage it, to kind of get to the question, is uh, we have had thousands of games of Professional League of Legends, but when you're casting a game, let's say you're casting the NALCS Finals, this version of TSM vs. C9 only happens once. So if there is a very compelling story, I'm going to prioritize that over most things. But when I'm kind of lacking on story or if I don't see a super strong story, we've already touched on it, that's when I try and get more into the education of it. And then yeah. you're okay repeating yourself because there are still things to constantly change about the game. Yeah. Anyway, it's always going to be best it's judgment. Art, it, right? it, exactly. It's a balance. And it's literally, you can't get it right for every listener. Because mm -hmm. someone has watched the last 10 games that I cast. So to them, I'm just a monkey repeating myself. And then to the other guy who's <laughs> tuning in, this is the first one they've seen in a while. Yeah, and it's a great insight. And it's, just preference, right? Yeah. Like some people want you to like pop off and yeah. be super excited and that's what they love. And some people want you to explain how to get better at the game for an hour straight, right? Like you cannot 
please both those people equally. So at the end of the day, best judgment. Yeah, yeah. next order question, CS or at Shepard1000 says, most memorable professional play you did as a player. Also glad to see you mm. putting this on video in brackets. That is easy for me. Uh, WCG yeah. 2010. Hi, Amumu. Look it up. Five man Amumu Ultimate. We win the entire championship. That's actually the happiest that I've been in my entire life was after we won. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm like, check it out. Like, yeah. not married, hasn't had a kid. Yeah. Safe to say this. <laughs> Make sure no one, no, no one else is watching this. Who's going to get offended this? right yeah. now? Yeah. No, yeah, I was, I just. Your mom, your dad, tell them not to tune in this week. I just remember it was so surreal, like, walking up. There was, like, this after party, rooftop after party or whatever. Like, yeah. walking up with my team and, like, Mark Mello's coming up to, like, congratulate me. And everyone's like, yeah, you guys went. And I'm just like, I'm the best in the world. Yeah. Whoa! And I'm just like, yes, this is the best thing ever. Uh, I need anyways, to think about this, man. Yeah, you got one. I mean, you're, for, gonna, for, you're gonna do wow, probably. Yeah, right? I mean, for yeah. me, it's wow it's, because it's, yeah. I, I was never a professional player in league, so I don't know how interesting. But you won a are. bunch of tournaments. Yeah, wow. I won. I won a lot of tournaments and stuff. But I mean, for me, the most most memorable was uh, just the winning moment for the first tournament I ever played in. Because leading up to that, it's like essentially we we thought we had a sponsor, and they turned out to be fraudulent. They didn't have the money to like send us this event, mm -hmm. and. Uh, you know, like uh, my team, like our parents decided that they were going to send us anyway and like didn't have like a lot of extra money or anything like that. So this was like, you know, a big deal for them, right? It's heartwarming story. It, it is. Oh and God. I mean, it meant a lot it. to me, right? And it's like, and we get sent and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go have fun and then that's going to be the end of esports for me, right? Like I'm going to lose and then that's the end of it. And we go and we actually won, right? And Did you and get that, money to pay them back? Yeah, I, I was, and because I made, like actually made some money from it, I was able nice. to help them out with like loans and things later. So like, but, the win there, and I got sponsored from uh, to EG from it and everything. Yeah. That was like that changed my life, right? Like that to me is had I won not won that tournament, I'm not sitting here today. I never got sponsored. Like that's how I see it in my head. So even though like I won a world championship and stuff, the first thing to me is always gonna mean the most by far. Yeah, all that jet, you man, so it better be good. You have a world championship hot <laughs> umu play. You yeah. have your career starting. Uh, I mean, the question is professional play, but I almost feel like. Uh, just like moment of professional feeling of a gaming career has to be uh, the IPL3 win I had in League of Legends, mm -hmm. which was the first uh, LAN event I had been to. And it was, at the time, a scene that had been really dominated by CLG and TSM. And here we were, like, Team Dignitas used to be rock solid, like, just kind of show up with grungy clothes and win. You still had Locust on the team, just right? We had Locust on the team. And Boy Boy couldn't go because he was too young to compete in that state. <laughs> So we brought in a sublo Cicero, moved Scara top lane, and still won, right? <laughs> it was this like so validating thing that we were able to win. Uh, even though I played Guild Wars and won a bunch of online tournaments, that wasn't the same. It felt mm -hmm. like Guild War, uh, League of Legends was finally real. I didn't have an impressive play that entire tournament. I played Trundle. It like, doesn't have <laughs> highlight moments. I pillared a lot, and we won with objective control. But it was still, uh, just that moment was super cool. Dang. Shout out to Los Cicero, though. That's an old name. Yeah. I like that guy. He could Pantheon. play three champions, and we were terrified <laughs> that people would find out and ban them away, but they never did. Woo, win the whole tournament. <laughs> yeah. I, I also love how you, Scar, and Boy Boy were like back then, and, and they're all I'm still big in this team. And now. I'm a cutie pie. Yeah, there you we're go. All on the same team. It was pretty cool. Uh, last That's question. That's a good team. Good League of Legends. Yeah. Where's Locust? Uh, U of T invert <laughs> oh, at no. the six or invert lol. Uh, last question of the episode. Did you guys catch any of the collegiate matches and what did you think and what do you think of the scene? Uh, I, I did watch some of it. Like I just, as, as, as a scene, I, I thought the games were fun. I, I like that there's different picks mm -hmm. and stuff. But my biggest thing is I always felt like, so one of the questions I got asked a lot was, oh, how do you become a pro gamer? What do you do and stuff? And I always felt like I could never recommend someone trying to do this because mm -hmm. I, I never felt like 
there was a legitimate path to like career success and stuff. And to me, this is so cool because, you know, I like I didn't go to university because I went into pro gaming. And for me, like that was always like this fear that this is not going to work for me. You know, I'm going to be like 30 and going back to school and like you know be a failure and blah blah blah. And and this is cool because the collegiate scene means you can go, you can get an education, you can get like competitive they'll, they'll gaming even give you experience. sponsorship, right? Yeah. They'll give you scholarships, scholarships and stuff. Like that's such a cool path to mm -hmm. to see. Does this life work for you? Do you enjoy it? Are you good enough to make it to the next level? Like this offers all that and the, still the safety of getting a college education, and that's something that like I never had and something that I wish I had had. So I think it's I think it's amazing. Yeah, I actually love that point so much because uh, something that kind of helps people tip the balance with their families when going for something as risky mm -hmm. as esports or getting into being a pro player is being able to say, look. We actually did win that tournament. Look at I I won real money. Look at Our, this novelty check. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I literally I literally have the fucking giant uh, <laughs> check, and they're like, "Wow, you made some money." I guess check. you know, yeah, check. You can't exactly. Cash them, actually, they're um, uh. But if if you can, this is even better than that because all your parents are like, "Oh no, you need to go to school. You need to get you know education, your future. Think about this. You know, job security, all that stuff." You can say, "Look, they're actually even giving me a scholarship. You know, yeah. there's tangible." Uh, yeah. Things here. I agree. Beyond that, the thing I liked about the collegiate scene is how similar it felt to college sports to me. Uh, I look at college football teams. Some of them run the option and these weird defensive schemes that would never yeah. work in pro play. And we got to see picks that we don't see in pro play and styles we don't get to see pro play, even in the highest level of collegiate esports in this tournament, because you have such large skill disparities uh, between some of the top players and some of the other players they're playing against. So it was a unique type of League of Legends you don't get to see played in the competitive space because the pros they have big champion pools and they generally kind of all try and mimic the same style, whereas collegiate was not about that at all. And I thought that translated so well between college sports and college League of Legends. Yeah, uh, I think the specializations of people with champions is really cool. And that is something that we kind of lose in pro play because mm -hmm. they want to be, uh, you know, generalists and play all the OP champions. So they all kind of just look at like specialists of those champions. But uh, definitely to your point, it, it makes the games really interesting and changes the stories a lot, right? Because yeah. it has to do with that kind of mastery of those specific champions. And in pro play, there's just there's very few scenarios where you can just style on people like that with those specific picks. Unless you're faker, you, like, yeah. But I mean, like <laughs> in you roll or perks, you could like, in, in some of even the the top eight stuff, like you could have a challenger guy versus a D five guy, right? Mm -hmm. And like that is miles apart as far as like. And you can still have the guy on the D five win the game because yeah. the rest of his team could be Yeah, well, and it's a team game, but I just think it's like, it's cool to have that uh, that ability and that opportunity to just like hard carry because you're so good yeah. individually, right? It's like LeBron before he goes to the NBA, like you can play differently because he can 1v5. You can or LeBron while game. you're playing in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just LeBron period. <laughs> yeah. uh, awesome, so thank you guys very much for the Twitter questions. Uh, remember, hashtag the dive wall if you have any other Twitter questions. That brings us to the end of the show. If you watch us on YouTube, good for you. Thank you very much. This is our first episode. Great on job. Uh, if you're still yeah. faithful to the podcast, continue to find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher. Maybe one day. That was a good list. We will be on Spotify, <laughs> but they select their own. They don't podcasts. like us. Yeah, we got we got to get bigger. We got to blow up first. Yeah, we'll uh, see. Sell out. Also, remember you can catch us on the NALCS uh, June 2nd this Friday. We'll see you guys there.